Hello there, and welcome to an Argus Freight podcast where we will be discussing developments in the commodity markets and their relationships with the shipping sector. My name's Andrew Kaw. I'm the Asia Pacific Freight Editor for Argus, and joining me is Vivian Gu, the reporter who covers the East of Suez CPP tanker markets. Hey, Vivian, how are you? Hi, Andrew. Um, in our last podcast, we discussed Australia's refinery developments and how it impacts dirty tankers in the region. Today, we will be exploring how those structural changes to Australian refineries um, could possibly affect clean tankers. To quickly recap um, the Australian refinery developments, Australia's downstream sector was mainly built between the 1950s and 1960s to service their domestic market. Australia has already shut more than half of its refining capacity over the last three and a half decades, with most of these closures occurring over a three-year period from 2012 to 2015. To put this into context, Australia's daily estimated consumption of oil products is about 1 million barrels. Post-2015, the combined capacity of its remaining operating refineries is 473,000 barrels per day, which is less than half of Australia's consumption. Under pressure from competition against larger and more efficient refineries in the Asia-Pacific and the COVID-19 pandemic, ExxonMobil Australia announced on the 10th of February 2021 that it would shut down its 90,000 barrels per day Altona refinery in Victoria, as it was no longer economically viable and that it would be converted into an oil product import terminal. This follows BP's announcement in October that its 146,000 barrels per day Quinana refinery in Western Australia will seize all refining activity over a six-month time frame and eventually convert said refinery into an import terminal. The Altona closure will leave two refineries, Ample and Viva Energy, with operations in Australia. The combined capacity of these refineries is less than a quarter of the country's 1 million barrels per day market. And the outlook for these remaining refineries also remains unclear. Um, Vivian, how do you think the Australian refinery closures would affect the clean tanker market? Would it boost demand in the Asia-Pacific region? And which countries do you think could possibly pick up the slack in domestic production? Also, absolutely, it will help to improve the shipping demands in the clean tanker sector in the Asia-Pacific region, as Australia is a major importer of refined products, which include gasoline, diesel oil, jet fuel, and other products. After the closure of some local refineries during 2012 to 2015, Australia increased the volume of imported refined oil products as its domestic productivity cannot meet up the increasing demand of consumption. According to the latest Australian Petroleum Statistic released by the government, the volume of imported gasoline, jet fuel and diesel oil increased almost 170% if we compare with that data from a decade ago. When it comes to the supplier, Singapore actually is the top destination where Australia sources its refined oil products from. It makes sense in terms of geographical location. The distance between Singapore and Australia could make it more economical for its shipping costs to compare with other countries in the past. 
Refineries from North Asia countries such as South Korea, Japan, and China were other major suppliers to Australia. Southeast Asia countries like Malaysia and Indonesia contributed a certain quantity of refined oil products exports to Australia as well, but the volume was much lower than other major supply countries. For example, based on the official data of 2019 to 2020, Australian Petroleum Import Statistic published last November, which is the latest available one. The total volume of refined product from Singapore to Australia was 8,356 megalitres. Here, when we say the refined products, we refer to、uh, automotive gasoline, aviation, gas oil, aviation tur- turbine fuel,、uh, kerosene, and the heating oil. These are oil and the lubricant oil.、And、those products require clean tankers for shipments. So about 77% of shipments was done by the medium-range tankers. Normally, it is around 35,000 metric tons per shipment. The total volume of refined product from Malaysia and Indonesia to Australia was 2,175 megalitres and 1,136 megalitres, respectively. Then, as Singapore, about 73% of shipments from Malaysia were done by MR. Meanwhile, the sum of total volume from North Asia to Australia was 15,319.45 megalitres. That includes the three major export countries to Australia. They are Japan, South Korea, and China. Those trading routes were considered as long-haul trips, which normally requires 14 to 23 days for the sea passengers. In terms of ships type. About 58% and 21% of shipments from South Korea were done by MR and LR tankers. For shipments from China, that was about 65% by MR and 28% by LR. For Japan, about 75% was done by MR. According to the trend based on historical data, Australia is likely to continue pursuing the majority of its refined oil products from the North Asia. That will be for sure a boost for the regional ton mile. Actually, from the beginning of 2021, I have already heard from some market participants saying that there are more cargo demand from North Asia to Australia. And if we break down the shipping data from North Asia into South Korean, Japan, and China, the exported volume from South Korean and Japan to Australia declined in 2020 compared with 2019. That was mainly due to the wrong rates cut. In both countries during the COVID-19 pandemic, instead China increased its output to Australia in 2020. There were two spikes happening at the beginning of 2020 and September, when the inventory of refined oil products was relatively high in China, following the thin domestic demand caused by the outbreak of COVID-19 in early 2020 and the flooding in the summer. Thanks for that, Vivian. That is、uh, interesting.、Um, could you, however, elaborate a little bit more on China?、Um, as you mentioned, there was an increase in output to Australia in 2020, but there also has been some trade and political tension between the two countries recently.、Um, could this tension possibly impact oil trade between the two countries? It was true that China-Australia relations became intense in the first half of 2020 because of dispute over the origins of COVID-19 pandemic. China imposed tariffs of more than 
80% of Australian products and block the arrival of Australia's thermal coal after the suspensions, beef imports, and a tighter custom check on Australian wines. That actually led to a cheaper wine and beef to the rest of Australian distribution channels. I remember that in Singapore, I bought some Australian wines at cheaper prices during the phase one of circuit breaker. But however, uh, as far as I could see, that affected more on uh, you know, uh, coal market, which was a bit trumped in the bilateral trade. In terms of the oil trading, it was relatively small and the direction of refined oil products trade flow was another way around. In fact, China signed the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, RCEP, agreement last year, and Australia is also a member of it. The RCEP is made of 10 Southeast Asian countries, as well as South Korea, Japan, Australia, China, and New Zealand. The RCEP is expected to eliminate a range of tariffs on imports within 20 years that will absolutely be a positive factor to boost the regional trading ultimately leading to more demand for the shipping turmoil, but of course it takes time to see the impact and currently it's too a bit too early to comment on that. Besides, when you talk about you know China's impact to Australia, the refined oil products export quarter from China is another point to look into. China granted Rongsheng, a private sector Chinese refiner, export quarter for gasoline, this oil and the jet fuel in 2020. That is quite unusual. As in the past, only state-controlled refiner in China got the quotas to export refined products. Currently, Rongsheng is accelerating the second phase construction of its 400,000 barrels per day ZPC refinery at Zhoushan. That includes another two CDU. The first phase of ZPC refinery was launched in 2019 adding the refining capacity of 88,000 barrels per day gasoline, 35,000 barrels per day diesel oil, and the 61,000 barrels per day jet fuel. The second phase is the same capacity as the first one. CPC refinery was, was awarded 1 million ton of export quotas under general trade terms in the fourth quarter of 2020 and another 2 million ton of uh, export quota in the first batch in 2021. This account for 7.6% of total export quota under the general trade term. The total export quota of the first batch in 2021 increased by 5% compared with that in 2020. From the statistics, China's gasoline export rebounded in December, supported by the higher shipments from ZPC. Custom data shows that China exported 395,000 barrels per day in December, up by 11.4% from November, and the rise was driven by ZPC. Though the current Chinese oil product export market was still underregulated, it showed the trend that more cargoes would be exported, not limited to five state-owned companies, but also there will be more private refiners were about to launch and they will be granted the export quota in the near future. The signing of RECP could facilitate China to export more oil products as a supplying hub in the Asia-Pacific region in the long run as well. That will help to add more turmoil in the shipping industry. If we compare the volume shipped from China to Australia last year in January to this year, it increased by 
0.9%. Currently, Amor exporter, a MR tanker, is carrying around 37.9 thousand diesel oil loaded from Quanzhou to Quinana. Another interesting policy which was to take notes is the recent import tax changes in Vietnam for cargoes under Form D and Form KV. Vietnam reduced the import taxes for gasoline cargoes from Southeast Asia and South Korea to the same level at 8% in 2021. The cargoes and the rest of the form will be levied on import tax of 20%. From the commodity market, we could see that now Vietnam's state-controlled Petrolimex sought gasoline cargoes for February loading via tender covering the possible loading ports from Southeast Asian countries and South Korea. In the past, Form KV cargoes were tested significantly lower than the Form D cargoes, and the change in import tax would impact the trade flow. For example, Vietnam accounted for 13.8% of Korean gasoline export at 26,500 barrels per day in January to October, compared to just 1% of Singapore gasoline exports at 5,500 barrels per day, according to GTT custom data. Under these circumstances, South Korean refiners are possibly to increase the export volume to other destinations, such as Australia and New Zealand, that will increase the regional turmoil demand as well as basically it turns more short-haul trips to long-haul trips. That's great. Um, thanks for that, Vivian. So it seems that the Tanmang demand within the Asia-Pacific region is geared to increase in the future. Now, to further explore the effects of refinery shutdowns in Australia, there was a diesel storage program initiated by the Australian government to provide up to $200 million in competitive grants to support the construction of an additional 780 megalitres of diesel storage in Australia. Um, what could this possibly mean for the clean tanker markets? Mm, I think it is too early to draw the conclusion to this. Con uh, mm, I think it is too early to have the conclusion to this question, as we need to compare the current shipping demand based on the existing refineries' production capability and the domestic consumption level with the future ones. The current plan to shut down the 146,000 barrel per day's Quinana refineries means that at least Australia will need to import an additional same quantity of refined oil products to make it equal to the current storage level, shown by a shipping company research report that would prompt the increase of the stable refined product turmoil demand by 1.4% based on the estimated seaboard trade. That would be the impact in the near term. If we look at the long term, as this program will run over three years to 2023 to 2024, the minimum requirement from IEA to hold 90 days of net oil imports will be the focus. The 780 million litres, which is equal to 4.9 million barrels of diesel storage, could be considered as part of the efforts to of Australia to meet the IEA's strategic reserved commitments. When Australia joined the IEA in 
1979, it was largely self-sufficient and was a net exporter of oil and did not have to hold stocks under the IEA's International Energy Programs, we call it IEP. Three IEA members that are net exporters, Canada, Mexico, and Norway, currently do not have to hold stocks under the IEP. But since Australian oil productions peaked in 2000, it has become increasingly reliant on export on imports of crude and oil products. Australia has been non-compliant with the 90-day stocks obligations since March 2012. Since then, domestic consumption has been rising, production has been shrinking, and several Australian refineries have shut down, leaving the country more reliant on products imports. Diesel is Australia's largest consumer transport fuel, averaging around 500,000 barrels per day during January to October 2020, or around half of country's transport fuel consumption. Australia had 20 days' use of diesel storage on hand on average during October, according to the government data. Around 40% more diesel than the current level are required for Australia to meet the new minimum stock obligation, according to the Australian Energy Minister. The completion of diesel storage by 2024 for sure will assist to achieve the goal by bringing more imported oil products if the domestic consumption doesn't shrink. Thanks, Vivian. Um, that does sound interesting indeed. But um, where do you think the direction of freight will be? Any thoughts about freight and earnings? Also, we've been mainly discussing about demand. Do you have any thoughts about supply? It is a complicated one. Earnings from freight is different from freight itself, as there are operational factors to consider, such as bunker cost. And it is unclear to predict the future price of bunker especially for ships with scrubbers. The margin for sure will be different from those without. If we are attempting to predict if freight level will increase in the future, it is still hard to say, as freight rates will be weighed upon the demand and supply in a global view. It cannot be treated separately in one region, as ship owners always position ships to the region where higher earnings are expected. That creates a dynamic balance as ships flow. Let's see. If the demand from the Atlantic market is not good, ship owners will sell the ships to the east of Suez. Even the demand of Asia-Pacific is higher than the rest. The freight might not increase much as expected. Vice versa, like what happened to early 2020, the low oil price created liquidity of trading activity that impacts not in a regional level, but a global level. More tankers were needed as floating storage creating the scarcity of supply for the time being and leading to higher freight. But in general, the amount of net fleet growth in the product tanker market has been declined since 2019 and would continue to fall in the future. According to a shipping company research, there were currently 652 product tankers ranged from 15 to 19 years old and an additional 957 ships turning 15 years old over the next five years. From the ordering books, there is 174 products tankers. When the freight market is longish due to oversupply tankers, ship owners will consider 
scrapping the over 15 years old ships, as those ones would have the difficulty in making higher earnings as the cost for the new environment regulations would add more operational cost. Meanwhile, it would be tough for overraged tanker to earn the same level of freight as younger tankers. All right. Thanks. Thanks very much for that, Vivian. And thank you, everyone, for listening in today to our podcast. Um, details on Argus Freight Services can be found on our Argus Media website. Our daily assessments and market comments can be found on the Argus Freight Report. And additional content on freight can be found on the Argus's Weight of Freight site. Thank you all once again, and a joyous Lunar New Year to all. Take care and stay safe.